If you were here last week, you'll know that we're in a three-part sermon series called Dangerous Prayers. And I believe that for many of you, one of the three prayers that we're praying is going to have a significant impact in your life. In fact, last week I explained that some of you, for one of these messages, it will become what I call an anchor message. So what does that mean? As I look back on my relationship with God over the years, there are probably about three or four messages that I actually heard and experienced when someone else is preaching that really had a deep spiritual impact in my life. It was significant. I felt the presence of God, and I felt like I was hearing directly from the Lord to my life. I call those anchor messages and I can remember the moment I can remember the time I can remember the message I was transformed my life was renewed as somebody spoke from the word of God to my life last week we talked about search me God search my heart so what did that mean we asked God to search us we prayed this prayer and we said Lord search me search my heart Reveal my fears. Uncover my sins. See if there is any offensive way in me. And we covered that with three questions. We asked ourselves three questions to be able to determine, is there any offensive way that is in me? Am I causing offense to others? Am I causing offense to God by the way that I'm leading my life? And we asked ourselves three pivotal questions. What are others trying to tell me? What have I rationalized in my life for some time? But everybody's doing it. But everybody lives that way. But that's just my coping mechanism. But that's just how I get when I'm stressed. Where am I the most defensive? What causes your defensives to rise? What causes your attitude to change? What causes your facial expressions to shift? These are areas that we need to look. And then we ask that once God uncovered our sins, we said, Lord, lead us now in the way everlasting. And so next week's message, and I believe that this is going to be an anchor message for a lot of people. But next week, we're going to ask God to send us. We're going to say, here I am, God, anywhere, anytime I am available to you. Send me. Today, though it's difficult, if there's anyone that is by far the most dangerous of all three, it is what we're going to talk about this week. And I want to warn you and I want to tell you up front, some of you will not like this prayer. Many of you will refuse to pray it in a genuine way. And I'll tell you up front, it's not a common prayer. It's not a feel-good prayer prayer this prayer is not consistent with the good god will always make your life better version of christianity this prayer though has the potential to open up your heart to the work of god in such a way that it can forever change your life and that prayer that i'm asking you to consider to pray is lord break me break me god i can remember sitting with a mentor in my life, a pastor. And he was teaching me about ministry and what it meant to be a pastor. Now, I'd been close to to pastors all throughout my life. I'd seen some of the pain that they 
had went through. I've seen my pastors get smacked in the face by parishioners in the church. I've heard of, 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 of pastors being outright thrown out of their churches for no cause and no reason at all. And so I'm sitting with my pastor, with the, this mentor in my life, and we're talking about what it means to be a pastor. This is before I entered into ministry as a pastor. And I can remember in one meeting, at the end, right after he prayed for me, it's the end of the meeting, and I'll never forget, he leans into me, and he looks at me and he says, I have only one promise for you and one guarantee that this will happen. Now, I'm a naive kid, right? So I'm thinking he's about to release such a massive prophetic word over my life. He's going to tell me God is going to use you in a massive way. God is going to exceed your expectations. Ministry is going to be amazing. You are going to be a rock star. I'll never forget when he looked at me and he promised me this. He says, my promise is this. God will break you. God will break you. And in that moment, I kind of didn't know what to do. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Right? That's just exactly what I wanted to hear. Right? God will break you. We began our journey of ministry. We hit road bump after road bump after road bump. Heart-wrenching things would happen in my life. Instances where we suffered from betrayal. Instances where we had absolutely no finances. Instances in where there was no way of knowing how the church would be able to continue. Instances where we were even left homeless for an entire year. Every time something happened, I would call out. And I would say, here's what's going on again. I'm literally aching on the inside and I would say and I would cry out to God and I would speak to this mentor and I would say am I broken yet am I broken yet and he said to me listen after the third or the fourth call he said this he said when you're broken you won't have to call me and ask if you're broken when you're broken you will know that you're broken It is a dangerous prayer to pray, God, break me. At the time, I couldn't imagine the blessings and the intimacy with God on the other side of my pain that I would experience. But I want to ask you to consider praying that very same dangerous prayer. Not all of you will. You don't have to. This isn't like you have to pray this. But to consider giving God permission to do a deep work in your life and to say, God, break me. And to study this today, what we're going to do is we're going to look at two different stories in the Bible, which is really cool because they're both side by side and they're in the same chapter in the Gospel of Mark. It's one story immediately followed after the other. The first story deals with a prostitute. In school, I actually had to write a 15-page paper about this one little story. So I can tell you I probably know a whole lot about this. 
One of the things I remember is really trying to get into the mind of what it would have been like for this woman because nobody in the first century ever wanted to be a prostitute. In fact, if you were a prostitute, it's only because life dealt you cards that you felt that you had no other way to play them except for this desperate plea. Why? Because prostitutes were hated. They were despised. They were people that were full of shame. Who knows what would have led this woman to do this? Maybe she was a single mom and had no other way of paying her bills. Maybe she had been abused by men and knew nothing else. Whatever it was, she was hated by every woman and used by many men. And her life was full of shame. One day she met a man that treated her differently. Maybe for the first time from a male she was shown honor. She was shown respect. He treated her with dignity. He loved her appropriately. It so transformed this woman that she wanted to worship him in the most sacrificial way that she could imagine. And her extravagant act of worship completely confused everybody that was in the room. Mark 14, verse 3, and it says this, Mark 14, verse 3. While Jesus was in Bethany, reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper, a woman, and this is the simple woman that we know from Luke's gospel. This is the simple woman. She comes in with an alabaster jar, a very expensive perfume. Now, first thing I want you to know was whose home Jesus was in. He was in the home of Simon the leper. Everyone else would run away from lepers, but Jesus would befriend them and he healed them. You got a rabbi, Jesus, and it kind of sounds like a joke, right? A rabbi, a leper, and a prostitute walk into a bar. (laughs) You've got a rabbi, a leper, and a prostitute in this house along with some other disciples. And she comes in with very expensive perfume. Now before I go on, I want to explain this perfume to you. This perfume was so valuable that we find out later in the gospel that it was valued at over a year's worth of wages. Just imagine what you make in a year and imagine it being that valuable. Why was it so valuable? It's valuable because it was incredibly rare and it was difficult to come by. See, in those days, ordinary women did not wear perfume because they could not afford it. So who wore perfume? Basically, this was this prostitute's calling card. You invested some money into the perfume so that when you were walking by, some guy would look at you and be like, oh, I see. You're sending me a message. You're available. See, this was very, very expensive. A year's worth of wages. It was essentially the source of her income to draw business. And she's got this incredibly expensive perfume. And in the next part of the verse, it says she did what with the jar? She broke the jar. What does it say that she did? She broke the jar. And then what did she do? She poured the perfume on Jesus's head. She broke and she poured. Now some people, as we read on the story, they got a little bit freaked out. See, this was, this act of worship was more extravagant than you can 
imagine. Essentially, she was saying, I'm giving you my whole life. I'm giving you the most valuable possession that I have. This represents my past and this represents my future. In other words, I'm leaving my past behind. I'm giving my future source of income. I'm giving my life savings away. Jesus, you have loved me so much that I will break open the most valuable possession that I have. The thing that represents my livelihood. I'll break it. I'll pour out all of it in one selfless, extravagant moment of worship. Broken and poured. That's the first story. The second story is right after the first story in the same book of the Bible. In this story, Jesus is having his last meal. He's gathered together with his closest friends. And he knows what's coming. And he's going to have to give his life on the cross. And this is how Mark tells the story. Same chapter, verse 22. As they were eating, Jesus took some bread and blessed it. Then he broke it into pieces and he gave it to his disciples saying, take it. This is my body. And he took the cup of wine and he gave thanks to God for it. And he gave it to them and they all drank from it. And he said to them, this is my blood which confirms the covenant between God and his people. And he said, it is poured out as a sacrifice for many. Broken and poured. Broken and poured. My body is broken for you. My blood will be poured out. My jar, my perfume is broken in an act of worship. And I will pour it out because I'm giving you everything. Everything that I have. Notice the theme. Broken and poured. Luke reports on that same story because Luke was at the table. Mark was there. Luke was there. The rest of the disciples were there. And Luke wrote about it. He told the story in almost the same way, but he added and he picked up something that Mark did not point out. This is what Luke said about it in Luke chapter 22, verse 19. And he said basically the same thing. Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and did what? He broke it. And he gave it to them. And he said, this is my body given for you. Then he said something interesting. He said, do this in remembrance of me. So what's this? So most followers of Jesus would agree and would say, we gather together, we, we take the Lord's Supper, we take bread, we take wine, or, or we take juice, and we, we do this in remembrance of him. We partake of communion. We celebrate the death, we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus by doing this, doing this in remembrance of me. All scholars would agree that this refers to celebrating communion or celebrating what some churches call the Lord's Supper. Some scholars argue that this means more than that. And I am going to agree with them. Jesus says, do this. What does that mean? What does he mean to do in remembrance of him? Well, certainly it means to celebrate and remember what he did. But perhaps it could also mean that as he was broken... That as he was poured out, that we should do that as well as the communion, as well as the Lord's Supper. Not just the ritual, but to live as he lived, to live as Jesus lived, to love as Jesus loved. We're called to die to ourselves daily so that we can live for his glory. The problem is, is that we have too much flesh alive and not enough spirit alive in our lives. The 
is too much of the flesh. And so we rise up and this flesh nature rise up and this sinful nature rises up in our lives and we don't put it to death. You were called to take up your cross daily. Now, for some of you, you read that and you say, oh, I got it. Taking up my cross daily. Oh, it's the struggle. Oh, it's the bill that I've got to pay. Oh, it's the kid and the issues with the kids that is going on. But that's not what it means by taking your cross daily. You see, the cross is much like our modern-day electric chair, our lethal injection. It is a means of death and execution. When Jesus said, take up your cross daily, he meant kill this thing daily. Kill this flesh that so anguishes the heart of God and ruins our lives and causes us down to go down through roads of perdition. That's what Jesus meant. So when the gospel says, do this, what if perhaps Jesus was saying, don't just do this as an act to remember, but may you also be broken and poured out in the way that I have been broken and poured out. Even the apostle Paul would go on to say in scripture, I am poured out for you like a drink offering, giving everything that I have in my life for God's glory. Broken and poured. God will break you back when my mentor said God will break you I would have likely had the response that almost everybody here is going to have I don't want to pray that because at the time I couldn't have known the things that I know now it's kind of like praying for patience right there's people that refuse to pray for patience Right, you're praying for patience while you're asking for trials to be able to endure. Right, it's like a runner, right? If you're training for running, you're going to go one day to the gym, you're going to take that thing, you're going to pick it up to 4.5 miles an hour. You're going to get on that treadmill, and you're going to jog slowly. But if you're running for a marathon, right, you've got some time. You go in a few days later and you're like, I'm going to pick up the pace a little bit because I need to build endurance in my life. So let's take this puppy to 5.5 today. I'm going to see how many calories I burn today. Then all of a sudden, you're going to feel really good about yourself. You're going to take it up to 6.5. And when you're a really good runner, you're going to stride at 7 and 8. And soon you'll be able to run long distances because you will be able to carry the stride and have built up endurance in your life. It's the same thing with patience. When you say, God, search me. When you say, God, break me. Those are powerful prayers to pray. I just want to make you feel better, though, for a moment, if I could. Being broken is not only just one moment in your life. It is an ongoing breaking. As God breaks you of your own sinfulness and continues to teach you to depend on him. I had no idea at the time, but I'll say it and believe it and stand by it with all of my heart today. Life's greatest breakings often lead to God's greatest blessings. Life's greatest breakings lead to God's greatest blessings. What that man told me when he told me that God would break me, I truly never realized what the significance of that moment now. But I'm going to say now, what I'm going to say now is not a theology, it's not a doctrine, it is a theory, it is an opinion, it is a well-educated opinion, well-researched opinion, but it's a theory. 
When I look at the Bible, I believe that this proves to be true. Peter, who said to Jesus, I'll never deny you, denied him three times. And on the third time, Jesus is looking at Peter as Peter is denying him. And Peter is absolutely and utterly broken inside. But Peter also, after forgiven by Jesus, after the resurrection, was chosen by God to be the guest speaker on the day of Pentecost. And I don't know about you, but that's a pretty big gig. The beginning of the church, the Holy Spirit descending on the earth. And Peter is the one who God chooses to step up on the stage. 3,000 people in one day born into the family of God. See, those whom God uses the greatest are often those who've been broken in the deepest sense because God will never waste a hurt. God will never waste a hurt. There's somebody in this room right now, you don't want to be broken. You don't want to be, you never want to pray this, and that's okay. You don't have to pray this to be a follower of Jesus. There's some of you in this moment that you could preach a better sermon than me right now because you are right in the middle of brokenness. There's people right now that at some point, you're going to be able to get to a place where you are breaking and everything will crumble all around you, and you will be tempted to fight to keep it together. What I would say to you is just go ahead and fall on the rock and break. Break and say, God, I need you. I need God. I need his people. I need more of those people. I need you and I want to be there for you. I need his Holy Spirit. I don't care what anybody thinks. I just need you, God. Whenever you get to that moment, whenever you get to that moment, and you will, Because life guarantees that moments like this will happen. You can either run to God. Or some people make a decision to run from God. My greatest advice to you is to break wide open. Fully depend on God. And let him do a healing work in your life. Understand this. This is not advanced Christianity. This is Christianity 101. This isn't for monks and missionaries and pastors or women who only wear skirts and put their hairs in buns. I'm coming, Jesus. Break my body. Break my sin. Break me of everything so that I can serve you with all my life and surrender it completely to you. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was a pastor in Germany, during the Nazi occupation of Germany, wrote a powerful book. And he said this. He said, the gospel is an invitation to come and die. To die to yourself so that Jesus can live through you. You see, when the sinful woman broke open the jar... She poured it all out, symbolizing, I am giving you my whole life, broken and poured. When Jesus' body was broken, it was broken for you, it was broken for me. His blood was poured out so that our sins can be forgiven. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. 
And I can't prove it, but I believe it, that this just does not simply refer to the ritual of communion. That this refers to our lives being broken and poured out so that we can serve the Lord Jesus with all of our hearts. See, our church is on a mission. Our church is on a mission to lead people to become devoted followers of Jesus. And I believe that with all my heart, that this represents the heart of God. And the reality is that many of us, what I would call, are what I would call not fully devoted followers of Jesus. But partially devoted followers of Jesus. We do it when it's convenient for us to do it. If you find yourself at any point being partially devoted to Jesus, let me encourage you to consider praying a very dangerous prayer. God, break me so that I could be fully dependent on you. Whatever it takes, God, I want to know you intimately. I want to serve you faithfully because I trust you. Do whatever it takes. Break me so that I can know you.